from his studios in New York. It's time for Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, where sports meets life. Here's your host, Dan Tortora. Welcome here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash DT. Hope everybody's doing well this beautiful Wednesday morning, Wednesday, April 18th. Hard to believe we're in the middle of April, and I hope you got your taxes in because tax day, technically, it's always the 15th, but because it's on the weekend, it was the 17th, and that was yesterday. So hopefully you got all your stuff in, did what you needed to do, and made it happen. So I, uh, I definitely, definitely uh, hope all is well with you, that you did what you needed to do, got your stuff in, and are ready and raring to go for the new year. And like I said, it's hard to believe we're at the middle of April and it is still snowing. Oh my good Lord. Okay. Predictions, right? I told you that predictions for me, you know, I, I put I put stuff out there and I research and, and I do my best on my predictions, educated. And, and when I'm going to say something, I make sure that I know what the hell I'm talking about. And then I put my predictions out there, my thoughts on what I think is going to happen, potentially can happen. And when a prediction goes right, obviously you feel really good. Well, one of my predictions was that it would snow in April. It is April 18th and there is snow on my porch. I don't know if this is one of the predictions that I wanted to be right about. So, insane. Just ridiculous that there is snow outside. Snow outside on April 18th in Syracuse, New York, and beyond, and beyond. I can't believe it. I really can't. So I am I am excited, and I am raring to go for that southern weather. Can't wait to have some time with the lady in the south and relaxing and having a good time. And going out and seeing seeing that dude they call Mickey, that'll be a very, very, very nice time to take a break, to relax, and to get some nice nice weather. So, just, it is. It's utter insanity that there's snow in April, on April 18th, outside, just sitting there waiting for me this morning. I'm ready for the nice weather. I'm ready for a change. I'm ready for some sun. I want to put my shorts on. So hopefully we'll get that soon, folks. But if you woke up this morning losing your mind a little bit, it's okay. It's going to be all right. Things are going to work out, and we're going to make it through this thing. We're going to make it through our our never-ending winter together. So with that being said, good morning, happy Wednesday, and let's get into the morning menu and let you know what's coming up today. Here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. We like to start off the show by giving you our menu of topics. The morning menu that is live now with the morning menu is Dan Tortora. 
the morning menu right here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on wakeupcalldt.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on mixlr.com backslash DT Coming up today, very excited, in just a little bit here for the first time ever, we're going to have Mike Sugamosto on the show to speak on the Syracuse Stallions. He is part of the team bringing professional basketball back to Syracuse, New York, with the Syracuse Stallions inside of the ABA, and he will be on the show around 9.30 a.m. Eastern Time. The Syracuse Stallions coming to Syracuse and going to be playing this year. Very excited about that. They'll be playing here in 2018 in their first season, and I appreciate them very much and everything that they're doing. So just a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful thing to have a professional basketball team coming to Syracuse, New York, and, and making history here. And I'm, I'm very excited. I've known this for weeks, and I, I'm very happy to finally have Mike coming on to the show. We spoke about it about three weeks ago, and I'm very, very happy to have him coming on here. So that coming to you at 9.30 a.m. Eastern Time. Mike, Mike Sugamosto coming on to the show to speak on the Syracuse Stallions and bringing basketball professionally back to Syracuse, New York with this ABA franchise that will be starting up very soon here, and I can't wait for that. And then at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, I'm going to have the man back on the show. That's Eric Kroom, Syracuse and NFL alum, played on the defensive line in both, and he will be with me to speak on the NFL draft coming up here. The NFL draft is about a week away, and it will be happening on April 26th to April 28th. Like I said, a very weird time because the draft is going on, and that is also the release of the Infinity War movie for Avengers. So there's going to be a lot of focus on Infinity War, but this is also going to be a big NFL draft, and there's a lot to be said about what's to come with that. So you're going to have to find some time for both coming up in the final full week of April April 26th, the draft is to April 28th, and Infinity War comes out on April 26th at night at 7 p.m., so make sure that you get out there, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, and see this, see the movie, and also show some love for the draft and what's coming up with the NFL draft very, very soon, because that's going to be a very exciting time, and I'm ecstatic about it. I told you that within the couple weeks leading up to the draft, we were going to have plenty of conversation about it. And so Eric Kroom will be joining me today at around 10 a.m. Eastern time, and he will follow us all the way to the end of the show pretty much to speak on the draft and his thoughts on the draft and, and who he thinks you know certain teams are going to take. And you know we'll talk about Des Bryant and some other big topics that are going on. He'll definitely jump into that. So a big thanks to Eric Kroom in advance for being a part of the show and to Mike Sugamosto for being a part of the broadcast as well. Well, very ecstatic about that. About this, some people throwing some shade recently here. There's a series, if you don't know, going on between the Boston Celtics and the Milwaukee Bucks, and Eric Bledsoe had some not so savory things to say about Terry Rozier that he didn't even know who he was, even though he was on the court against him, and so then Terry Rozier said something as well, and that has been sticking around in people's minds. I'm going to go ahead and play that for you here this morning. 
Giannis, he loves to push the ball. Uh, Drew Bledsoe, he loves to push the ball. Uh, Drew Bledsoe, uh, Drew Bledsoe. Call him Drew Bledsoe. His name is Eric Bledsoe. And he called him Drew Bledsoe, who you know is the former quarterback of the NFL, who played with teams like the Buffalo Bills, the Dallas Cowboys, but many people know him for playing with the New England Patriots. He called him Drew Bledsoe. Eric Bledsoe, Drew Bledsoe, what does it matter? That's how they're looking at this thing as they move forward. So, you know, the Bucks and the Celtics don't like each other. And if you told me rivalries in the history of the NBA, I would not tell you Celtics-Bucks. But it is becoming that. And I will tell you that who's had the best of this back and forth has definitely been Boston, who takes a 2-0 lead in the series as they move forward in this thing. So it is has definitely been an interesting go at it, but they have been razzing each other and going back and forth about this. But you know what? Terry Rozier, who I've had the opportunity and the blessing to interview in his history when he played at Louisville, and I love the the kind of, I don't want to call it a marking, but in, in his haircut, how, how they make that swirl, they make that swirl inside of his haircut. I always thought that that was really cool. And, you know, I, I would look at that and I'm like, man, I'm going to do that someday. <laughs> so, so I guess now's the day to do it since Terry Rozier and the team's taking care of business. Celtics are up 2-0 to on the Bucks, and they will head to Milwaukee for Friday, April 20th to face off against the Bucks there. The Sixers and the Heat are now tied. Sixers and the Heat are 1-1 to coming, off of, coming off of the most recent game. And the Cavs are going to have an opportunity tonight against the Pacers. That all happening inside of the Eastern Conference. And the Raptors at home in Toronto have bested the Wizards twice. They're up 2 to nothing, And they will go to Washington, D.C. on Friday, April 20th for game number three. And then on the Western side, it's just interesting. I love the Drew Bledsoe, Eric Bledsoe thing. The Houston Rockets will face off against... The Wolves tonight at home in Houston, Texas. They are up one game to nothing. The Golden State Warriors are up two to one or two to zero. Oh, pardon me, two nothing on the Spurs, and the Trailblazers are down 0-2. The Pelicans, Pelicans taking control of. I don't know what my tongue is doing this morning. I'm like the Pal. <laughs> so it's, my tongue's just it's trying to leave the mouth. I'm trying to keep it in here. The Pelicans are up two to nothing on the Portland Trailblazers, and today the Thunder will take on the Jazz, and they are up one to nothing. That game will be played in Oklahoma City. So, a little interesting thing here, but I'm loving these matchups. And Toronto, you know, I'm sick. I really am. I'm sick and tired of hearing, oh, Toronto's not this, and Toronto's not that, and who cares about Toronto, and they're not going to win any games, and they're not important, they're not big, they're not this, they're not... They're the number one seed. They won 34 games at home this year. They were 34-7. and seven. At home, 34 and seven in 41 games at home, first place ever in their history. 34 wins, first time ever in their history at home. 50 plus that they had in the season as a whole, first time ever. I love what Acto Core said. He said, "Are they the Jazz of the NBA? Are they the Jags of the NBA? They could be, but the hope is that they don't get that they make it to the finals, not that they almost make it to the finals." I mean, this, this is 
the treatment of the Toronto Raptors, oh, they're the team in the North, nobody goes to the games, that's a fallacy. 19,000 people there selling out. Their tickets over the last two years has, have gone up because of their winning, because of what they've been doing lately. They could charge more, and people are going to pay more to go out to these games. So this isn't a, oh, there's no fan base. There's a huge fan base. And when you raise the price of the fan base, they still show up. And even more of them might have shown up at this point. The Toronto Raptors are here to stay. The Toronto Raptors became relevant a few years back. And in the last three years, have made things interesting and fun. And they're the number one seed. So learn how to respect them. They're up two to nothing. Who's talking about the Raptors? Nobody. Oh, LeBron James. Oh, Ben Simmons lost a game. Oh, my God. What's he going to do? How's he going to live his life? It's, you know, it's just, it, it, it's crazy. The only team that doesn't play in the United States of America gets absolutely positively no respect and no pub in the United States of America. Learn how to talk about the Raptors. If you don't, I will. I have a show. So guess what, folks? If I'm going to be the only one doing it, I'm going to be the only one doing it. They're the number one seed. And everybody's like, is it going to be Philadelphia or Cleveland that goes to the finals, huh? Cleveland or Philadelphia, huh? It's, what about Toronto? What about Boston? How do we... Fr- well, it's got to be Ben Simmons or LeBron James. Because it's good for the NBA. I don't give a what what's good for the NBA. How about the best team makes it? The Toronto Raptors have proven this season that they were the best team in the Eastern Conference. And the Houston Rockets, they get talked about. They overtook Golden State. They became the number one seed in the West. And everybody's on their jock. Why? Because they have Chris Paul and James Harden. They have players that people think are superstars. What about Kyle Lowry? What about DeMar DeRozan? What about what Toronto has put forward recently here? And where is the respect? There's none. There's no respect. Serge Ibaka, Jonas Valanciunas, I said Lowry and DeRozan. Why aren't we talking about this team and what they're doing? The fact that they got guys coming off their bench scoring almost 20 points in a game. 18 points in 22 minutes for C.J. Miles, who didn't go to college. Was drafted in 2005, spent 12 years in the NBA, okay? Talk about all these guys that didn't go to college and jumped straight from prep school or high school. How about C.J. Miles? How about DeLon Wright? Two years he's been in the NBA out of Utah. 11 points in 27 minutes. In this most recent victory. This team is deep. In game number two. They played 13 players. And 15 of those 13 players scored. Syracuse would love that bench. Would pray, hope, dream for that bench. This team is a force to be reckoned with, and all I hear about is LeBron James and Ben Simmons. LeBron is the presence. Ben Simmons is the future. I don't care. <laughs> I, it doesn't matter to me. LeBron is a phenomenal basketball player. Yay, LeBron. Have we had our fix today? Ben Simmons is having a great non-rookie season. And I can't help but, I mean, the thing is, this is this is his rookie year, but not. He's a rookie, but he's not. You know, so I think it's funny when everybody's having that conversation about, is he a rookie, is he not a rookie, what Donovan Mitchell had to say, because he is, but he's not. He wasn't drafted this year. He was drafted in 2016. But he didn't play last year. 
So technically, he's a rookie this year. So this is technically his rookie season. Technically. But it's all about the Ben. It's Ben, ben Simmons. Philadelphia has been irrelevant for a very, very long time. And Ben Simmons helped them get out of irrelevancy. And Joel, jo, Joel Embiid, Joel Embiid, pardon me. I can't speak this morning. But we look at Embiid, we look at Simmons, and we're like, okay, this is a team. They're good. They're doing things. They haven't been relevant in a long time, and now they're relevant. But Toronto did this three years ago. Toronto was a lick away from going to the NBA Finals. They went up against LeBron, and they were the only team to beat LeBron at that time. They swept a Cleveland swept a series and swept another one. They went and faced Toronto. Toronto beat them twice. Toronto was the first one to show that the King could bleed in that series, in that entire playoffs. Nothing said. Very little. Last year, oh, they got bounced out. LeBron. They made it back. Consistency. This is the first time Philadelphia has made the playoffs, and I don't know when. This is the first time they didn't have to tank their season. Philadelphia is relevant again. Yay, Philly. That's a great thing. It is wonderful. But pump your brakes and show some damn respect. What about Toronto? Nobody wants to talk about Toronto. Nobody wants to talk about, oh, Toronto, I don't think it's, uh, yeah, this is, uh, uh, why not? Why not? You're going to be on Ben Simmons' jock, but you can't respect DeMar DeRozan? You're going to be up the butt of Embiid, but you're not going to respect Kyle Lowry? How does that make any sense? You're going to you're going to erase the number one team in the East, the best team in the East, the team that proved... So the team that, if this was college, would have, quote-unquote, won the regular season. You're going to disrespect that team because the narrative is always LeBron, 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 LeBron. LeBron is not a bad player, but I'm sorry. Is Toronto up two to nothing? Where's LeBron? They had to even the series out, didn't they? Against the Pacers. They're trying to do that right now, tonight. And they didn't just lose to the Pacers at home in Cleveland. They lost by 18 points. Well, you know, it's because LeBron couldn't hit threes. Uh, that's He went 0 for 4. So add those add those in. Let's say he went 4 for 4. Okay? That's 12 points. They still would have lost by 6. So, give me another argument. Give me another argument. How about this? Their bench did absolutely nothing. Their bench couldn't light a candle and hold it next to Toronto. Their bench had points by three players, and everybody else couldn't score. Kyle Korver had nothing. Jose Calderon had nothing. In 21 minutes, Jordan Clarkson had six points. Only playing two minutes in the game, Tristan Thompson, no points. Nada. Nothing. Zip zilch. Starter, 27 minutes, Jeff Green, no points. Rodney Hood, starter. 21 minutes, 9 points. Kevin Love, 9 points in 34 minutes. LeBron James had 24 points. Well, you know, LeBron couldn't, you know, find his positioning and he couldn't find this. And the, but, uh, da, da, da. Okay, I don't care. They lost by 18 points. It's not all LeBron. The team got outplayed by Indiana. 
Too bad, so sad. That's what happened. They got outplayed by Indiana. Just call it what it is. Stop telling me it's oh, it's because LeBron had had a you know he he, he I think he stepped on a nail before he got to the game. No, they lost the game. Call it what it is. Cleveland lost to Indiana. If it was Toronto and Toronto lost and DeMar DeRozan had a rough night, nobody would say, oh, DeMar DeRozan. They would say, oh, Toronto lost. Big whoop. Let's move on in life. Let's spend 37 seconds on it on SportsCenter, and then let's go to LeBron and LeBron's hair and LeBron's eyes and LeBron's shoulders and LeBron's back and how I just want to be on a beach with LeBron somewhere, laying with him with a Mai Tai and tell him how much I love him and be besties forever. The truth of the matter is the narrative of the media is LeBron, 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 LeBron. Yet Boston is better than people expect they were going to be coming into this thing. Toronto is the number one team in the East and Philadelphia is relevant again. So yeah, but the thing is about Ben Simmons in Philadelphia is just because they made it back and just because they've gotten like the number one or close to it draft pick for the last 72 years doesn't mean that, okay, they're going to win the championship. That's it. They won. They got Ben Simmons. He's healthy. They're going to win the championship. That's it. It takes more than that. And Toronto has proven that. It takes more than that. Toronto, years ago, told me. Years ago. Seven, eight, nine years ago. Dan, we are not going after a superstar anymore. We're going to find a group of 13 guys, 14 guys that want to play this game because they love this game and play it together and win together and grow together and advance together. We're not looking to build up another superstar to ship him out somewhere else so that he can have success there. We're not looking to groom somebody to go win a championship somewhere else. And that's exactly what they've done. Now, you can argue that Kyle Lowry is a superstar. You could definitely argue that DeMar DeRozan is a superstar, but they didn't start out that way. Definitely not Kyle Lowry and not DeMar DeRozan. They didn't start out that way with that publicity. Not at all. No chance. They have not, they did not begin with that. LeBron began with that. Carmelo began with that. We didn't get that with DeMar DeRozan. And Kyle Lowry coming into the league. And coming on to Toronto. I'm surprised people knew what their names were since they play in Toronto. So they've built this team the way that they wanted to build it. And they found ways to win. And they found ways to advance. Toronto essentially is the sleeping giant. Because you consistently underestimate them consistently bury the narrative on them and they love it remember a few years ago when they played the Washington Wizards in the tournament and they got bumped out of this NBA playoff tournament you remember that that they got bumped out by Washington now they're controlling the pace and we'll see what they do when they head to DC but the Toronto Raptors are a dangerous, deep team that uses their G League franchise, Raptors 3 905, to grow players and advance them. They are doing things the right way and some things faster than other teams, and they're finding success. So give success where success is due. And if you're going to watch the NBA playoffs in its entirety, remember that there's a game that happens with a team from Canada 
who just might be some type of good, eh? We'll take a step aside, and we'll come back with Mike Sugamosto in the Syracuse Stallions. This is a wake-up call, Fast Break. Carvel DeWitt, it's what happy tastes like. Do you know why? Because we make ice cream. Creamy, rich, flavorful ice cream. Not yogurt or ice milk like some of our competitors. Ice cream. Fresh, by hand, daily. For the calorie conscious, we have something new for you. Our new Carvelite. Same great flavor, creaminess, and texture of our regular ice cream with only 35 calories an ounce. So whether you want an ice cream cake, flying saucer, dasher, Carvelanche, hard or soft ice cream, we will satisfy your craving with our fresh, handmade, regular, or new Carvelite ice cream. Carvel DeWitt. It's what happy tastes like. Clothing that will change with you without you having to change. DrysigLady.com, D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G, Lady.com. With the bamboo line, relaxed fit clothing, as well as the athletic fit clothing, DrysigLady.com is fit for any woman, any time of the day, anywhere. Whatever you're doing, whatever your day commands of you, Command yourself to feel comfortable in Dreisig Lady Apparel. D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G Lady.com. For all the women out there, feel good in what you're wearing. And don't feel like you have to constantly change throughout the day. Whether you're a stay-at-home mom, a business owner, going for a jog, going for a meeting, or just relaxing at home, DrysigLady.com is the right fit for you. D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G Lady.com This is Lawrence Papaleo, licensed real estate salesperson for Gilbo Realty. Call our home office at 315-752-9513 or better yet, call or text me directly at 315-748-2524. Let me ask you a question, Lawrence. If I needed you to help me buy a house, find the right place, could you help me do that? Joe, I'll help you find your dream home. You don't ever say my name on the radio, never. If I needed to sell a house, could you help me go about that the right way? Yes, yes I can. How do they get a hold of you? Call me directly at 315-748-2524. But you also do the commercial property. So if I got a business, couple businesses, gotta take one here, move it over there, do this, do that. Are you going to help me buy and sell my commercial property also? Yes, sir. I like that. I like that. What's my name again? I have no idea. Absolutely. But they need to know your name, so give it one more time. This is Lawrence Papaleo, licensed real estate salesperson for Gilbo Realty. My phone number is 315-748-2524. Why don't you tell them your name one more time and that number so we can jot it down. This is Lawrence Papaleo. Call me or text me directly at 315-748-2524. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, where the show is streaming live every time it goes live on the MixLR feed here on the homepage and on MixLR.com backslash DT directly. You can follow there, and that will link you to the show to become a member. Make sure you do that. It is totally free. And with becoming a member, you can join me in the live chat room every live show, and you'll also get emailed when the show goes live. So as you're going about your life, doing what you're doing, taking care of your business, you'll be emailed straight to your device and let you know that the show is live. You open your email, you click to listen, 
and that's all you got to do, and it brings you straight to the broadcast. We are wherever you go, and we thank you for making us a part of your day. With that being said, here inside of the morning menu for Wednesday, April 18th of 2018, very happy to have for the first time ever on the show, Mike Sugamosto, who is joining me as the president of the Syracuse Stallions and the president with that being said, of bringing professional basketball back to Syracuse, New York. It's been a very long time. I was not alive when there was some professional basketball that really dug its heels in here, and so I'm happy to see that there's a team that's dugging, that's going to be digging its hooves in with the Syracuse Stallions coming up here very, very soon, and so it's an honor to have Mike on the show. Mike, how you doing today? Good. How are you? Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. And Mike, first and foremost, just what you could say about, I mean, we've discussed off the air, but kind of the trail that got you to wanting to bring professional basketball back to Syracuse. It's, it's definitely been a crazy ride. Um, I was kind of influenced to get involved in this when um, the previous attempts had failed. Um, I was a bit disappointed, um, but I knew at the time as a fan, when those teams were getting together, I would be a fan and be there um, to watch games. And as they didn't happen um it began to like play in my mind that there's got to be something we can do um so i teamed up with jimmy evans the owner of the binghamton bulldogs team um it's going to be their second year next year they finished the elite eight this past year um and then josh Winans, another assistant at casanova college and we kind of sat down and and discussed what we can do to make this happen and so we're here and uh we're ready to go and when you look at your team and, and, and who you have, like you said, bringing up Jimmy and, and Josh, just what you could say about this group, this collective kind of vision to bring it back, just what you could say about the guys you're working with and the vision of this. Yeah, so we each bring a different piece, a different asset to this team. Um, I personally bring the Syracuse basketball side of it where I can talk to players. I'm kind of like our GM, but I don't like to call myself that. Um, where I'm out recruiting guys, um, making sure they're signing up for tryouts. I'm basically going to piece our team together. Um, Jimmy is the business guy. He's our numbers guy. Um, he's had such a, uh, such a successful program down in Binghamton in the first year that we're going to stick with that model and let it run, um, and hopefully we have the same success. And then Josh, Josh is our sales guru. Um, he's the guy that puts everything together to talk to businesses and hopefully rates some advertising money. So when you look at this and, and the Syracuse Stallions and, and having this here, like you said, a little bit disappointed when people have tried to do it in the past. What's different this time around? Um, I think we're ready. I mean, we could hit the ground running right now if we had a team. We could play a season right now. Um, we have our venue locked in. Um, we have a little little more sense of a buy-in from the players that are local. Um, and they they were kind of upset as well when it didn't take off. So I think – We've got a good group of guys that really want to see this do well and are passionate about basketball um, that are going to do what we have to do to make this happen. Um, everything's locked in, paid for. Um, we're good to go. And and to have you know this opportunity, speaking here with Mike Sugamosto, the president of the Syracuse Stallions, to put this all together tryout-wise, you and I have discussed this and, and what's going on with that. Just what you could say about those that are interested in being a part of this team and putting themselves out there, showcasing their talent, just what you could say about how people get involved in the community that really believe that they can make a splash with this team. Yeah, the, um, the tryout process is, is somewhat new to me at the professional level. I've done high school and college before, um, and so 
the, the amount of guys that have reached out to us and have been like complete class acts about what they want to accomplish with us and the, the opportunity to try out has been like amazing. Um, I've, they're respectful guys. We've got guys of all different levels, Division One through Division Three, trying out for us. Um, we have guys that can put the ball in the hoop but never had the chance to play co- collegiate basketball. Um, so we're leaving it open to guys to come try out for us. We're going to pick the best 10 to 12 guys, no matter your background, um, and we're going to do the best we can to fill a great roster. And to look at you know this team and, and kind of this mission and, and the vibe of it all, what can it be? I know I, I obviously it's in the sports world. Obviously it's basketball. Obviously you want to win. But what can this organization be to the community? Um, we're trying to give more of a family feel, a community feel. Um, we're going to involve um, sponsored nights by companies that bring fans out um, that are more interactive. I mean, ABA basketball is much faster paced than collegiate or NBA basketball. Um, it's going to be exciting. It's going to be nonstop. Um, and it's going to be scheduled around other um, sports such as Syracuse basketball, LeMoyne basketball, which is just taken off and doing extremely well. But we're going to do the best we can to schedule around so that we can pull those basketball fans from other um, sports venues to come to ours. And to look at the venue that you have, let everybody know like where you're going to be playing and, and where these home games are going to be, how many home games you're going to have. Yeah, so we're going to have um, 12 home games, and they're going to be played at Manlius Pebble Hill School. Um, it's a nice size for us, especially being first year. Um, and then it should be great. It's br- brand new. Um, they did a $7 million renovation to the whole facility, so we jumped on it when we were presented with the chance. And to have that and, and have that opportunity for this, you know, sponsorship-wise with the Syracuse Stallions, speaking here with the president, Mike Sugamosto, just what you could say about how, how different businesses can get involved, you know, is there program-wise, banners at the events, different things that you could do? How can how can yeah. you bring people in to really be a part of this and be a part of the inaugural season? Yeah, we, we offer so many different packages. Um, it's We offer packages that start at 100 bucks all the way up to the big one, which is five grand. Um, and we've seen a bunch of lower-end ones, and then guys or businesses have also bought tables at our venue where they can come in and pitch their business as fans walk in. Um, also, banners will be provided. Um, advertisements in a full-page or a half-page form will be provided to businesses that buy in with us. There's tons of different ways. You can get your logo on our jersey. You can you can sponsor a halftime ad. You can sponsor the halftime um, half-court shot. There's We've got a ton of stuff. And when you have that and you have this opportunity, you brought up things at halftime to create, you know, kind of – that entertainment value of it. What can you say about the entertainment side of things, the ideas that you have and, and things that you want to do with the community at halftime to not just make it a basketball game? Right. And we're, we're going to treat this as an event. We're not just going to treat it as people coming in to watch basketball romping down the floor. Um, we want you to be entertained. There's going to be dance teams, um, halftime events such as half-court shots. Um, we're going to invite youth teams to come play at um, halftime on our court um, to draw fans and to get involved in the community our team is going to be involved in the community we're going to do as much as we can to get to schools and get to all these different events to get ourselves out there Um, once we have a team in july we're going to hit the ground running and to have this team in july the stallions running into their season to let everybody know what that season is going to be like you said you know the amount of home games that you have you mentioned here 
but the season itself running from where to where and just what you could say about that. Yep. The season runs from October to March and then playoffs will begin in April. Um, this past year, um, the elite eight was in Austin, Texas. So you have, you were in Austin, Texas for the elite eight, you know, the ABA stating that, and then in San Antonio was the final four. So, you know, this is, this is not a, Hey, we're just going to go here. I mean, these are, these are big places, big time venues, big time opportunities to play these games and, and have this. And, and like you said, you know, with these games that you're going to have at Manlius Pebble Hill and, and have those at home, and then some of the teams that you're going to be going up against and facing, just what you can say about some rivalries that may be created here. Yeah, um, our rivals, Binghamton, um, even though Jimmy's one of our owners, they're the closest one to us. And um, a lot of players that could make this team are going to – I know the guys from Binghamton. So it's, it's a nice feel. It's a nice rivalry. It's not – like Syracuse Crunch, Utica Comets kind of rivalry. It's us versus Binghamton. And um, and also Rochester, they come out and they compete. Um, these teams are well, sta- uh, well stacked with talent, Division One through three. So we're going to be a new team. Everyone's going to want to beat us. We're in a big city. Um, we'll have a target on our back, but we'll, we'll be well equipped. And to have that, you know, moving forward and knowing that you're going to be playing this season, I mean, how excited are you – to ramp this up and get this going because nobody say, I always talk about the iceberg that people see the little tip of the iceberg. They see what's above the water, but there's, there's a behemoth of iceberg below the water. So speak to me about some of those things that have happened behind the scenes in the shadows, in the trenches, under the water that you can say, you know, were battles that you fought to get to where you are today. Yeah. Um, it's definitely been a challenge. There's been challenges along the way. Um, one thing, like I've said from the start and brought a little hesitation to me in the beginning was the past. Um, and I want to put the past way behind us. This is a different product. Um, this is going to be a place to go watch basketball of a high level. And um, people think of it as semi-pro basketball when really this is professional. These guys get paid a salary to play basketball and put the ball in the hoop. Um, we, uh, we've been working. It's, it's been nonstop. Um, all three of us have day jobs and we still put in time and find time to get this done. Um, behind the scenes on my end, I've been blowing phones up on guys that I think should try out for us that I think we can make a huge team. Um, I've been in the ear of Daywan Coleman. I've been in the ear of Taekwon Roland from Le Moines, um, Dan Kegler from Le Moines. We've been, we've been touching guys that could make this team really special. Um, Syracuse has a wealth of talent and the wealth is like huge. And I think we could end up with a team full of Division One guys if, if guys just want to choose to do it with us. And, and when you look at that, like you said, you know, Division One through three that, that you can bring in people from all over the place that want an opportunity and want a chance. I mean, there's there's this NBA, you know, the the, the world of the NBA and the world of, of what's going on. I mean, things are changing. There's the G, right. you know, the the D League became the G League and and be, got more relevancy, got more publicity, more more respect and now that's an avenue and we look at you know the G League being there and the NBA being there but people wanting other opportunities other options I mean we look at the 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 NFL and everything that they've done with the rules that they've had and things that you know people have just not been fans of lately has brought back the XFL that's coming in 2020 and has brought 
the AAF, the Alliance for American Football. So we were seeing in professional sports that there's this branching out of other opportunities and other venues. And the ABA was around and the NBA, and then they merged some of their teams. Then the ABA came back into things. And now Syracuse is being a part of the fray. But like you said, there's people in this community that want an opportunity that didn't get one in the G League, didn't get one in the NBA, didn't want to go overseas. So now there's something right down the road that, that's tangible to them in a right. world where people are looking for other avenues, just to speak a little bit deeper on that. Right. And it, for us, I mean, I've, I've seen it. We get memos from the, the owner of the ABA, and it says it, it's basically a compiled list of emails from owners from all over the country of an ABA franchise, and it says, oh, this player has gone on to a higher level because of the film provided from the ABA. This, you're not in, Our goal is not to keep guys in the ABA for 10 years of their career. If you can advance after your first, please do. We want, we want to be an outlet for you to get to that next level, to make yourself more money. Um, we want to do that for our players. Cause I think that if there's so many guys around here in this area, what like Syracuse, even the Southern tier that may come try out for us, um, that have so much talent and they could go much higher than, than even us. And like you said, to be a place where they can showcase themselves, showcase their talent. I mean, there's there's leagues when it comes to indoor football that are help you know helping to show people out. And just recently, uh, Austin Morris had an opportunity goes plays for the Rochester Kings or a couple games into their season, and the AFL calls him up, the Philadelphia Soul, who know what it's like not to be in arena football but to win a national championship, and right. you know they bring him up. So we're already seeing locally that there are these avenues that have gotten people looks from film to big time teams around the country and you know i mean the possibilities are endless so we've already seen that happen in our community right right and and for you before i let you go speaking here with mike sugamosto the president of the syracuse stallions i was talking about the nba playoffs before you came onto the show and i would be remiss if i didn't speak with you on this i i went a little bit hard as a mother on the whole Toronto disrespect. And I mean, they're the number one seed, 34 wins at home, 34 and seven record at home. Never had that. The amount of wins they had this season, never had that number one seed, never had that yet. All I hear about is Ben Simmons and LeBron James are going to go hand in hand on the beach and spend a day together. I mean, I I'm sick and tired of, of the narrative of, Ben Simmons is the coming of the second LeBron James, but LeBron James is not ready to leave. What about Toronto? Uh, that, that's a good question. I'm not a Raptors fan, but I respect the Raptors like big time. Um, as I told you earlier, I was I would love to see the Raptors do well. Um, I read an article about actually the Cavs, and I'm not a Cavs hater. I just appreciate good talent across the league. I appreciate good players. If I had to pick a team, I'm a Lakers fan, which sucks. But I want to see them do well, but I read that the Pacers could possibly bounce the Cavs. I mean, I'm not against that. I would like to see someone atop the, the, uh, the throne that's different. I would like to see the Raptors do well. Even the Sixers do well. I would love to see a different team this year. Um, the Raptors have all the pieces that they need to do well. Their coach is outstanding. Their, their roster is deep. Every, everything, the pieces are right. And I mean, when you when you look at it, and and I was bringing, and I spoke about the Pacers side of things that everybody was like, "Oh my God, it's a giant fluke." LeBron just had an off night. He had a troubling day. I, I mean, maybe maybe he was talking to somebody and they upset him. Maybe he went to the supermarket and his milk wasn't on the shelf. There's always an excuse 
for LeBron. Yeah. There's no excuse for Toronto. There's no excuse yeah. for Indiana. There's no excuse for Boston. There's no excuse for Miami. There's no excuse for Washington at all. Might be a little bit of an excuse for Philadelphia with Ben Simmons now, but there's no excuse for anybody yet for LeBron James if LeBron's team doesn't win. And mind you, somebody said, well, he didn't hit threes. He missed four of them. So if he made all four of those, that's 12 points. The team lost by 18. You lost by almost 20. It wasn't a last-second shot that LeBron usually makes that didn't go in. And and this is the thing that I, I, I can't help but stress the fact that LeBron always, always has many, many people in the media saying, oh, well, you know, I heard that that he was sitting at home and he went to watch his show on demand and it wasn't there and he was very upset. And so that affected him in the game. Why can't we just say LeBron and the Cleveland Cavaliers lost a game? Right. And I think people see him as the greatest player that's playing. And uh, But I think fans need to understand that these people are human and have flaws and make mistakes and, and don't always play their best. I mean, when he's on a, on a big stage... Does he perform like really well most of the time? Yes, but he's a human, and he's going to have a poor night sometimes. Yeah, he's he's going to make mistakes. He's not going to be perfect, but you know, it's it's just to me, it's crazy because the Raptors, the way that they have built their team, as I was discussing before, Demar Derozan wasn't known as a superstar. Kyle Lowry wasn't known as a superstar. Serge Ibaka spent 15 minutes in Orlando before they decided that they, you know, they could part ways with him and he didn't need to be there anymore. Jonas Valanciunas was another big man that people thought Toronto wasted a pick on. So this is a team that came together and Raptors 905, we talk about building up through the system. The G League has because Toronto uses it as a true farm system, they've been able to pull guys up from this and not just for 10-day contracts, they're keeping guys on the roster and they're letting them play. So, I mean, Toronto, for me, is doing things differently, doing things right, using the system. They're making things happen with the G League before other teams are going to really catch on to this thing. And, And I just, I mean... I stand in awe that they are making moves while everybody is looking at them as a sleeping giant, so to speak. But they're making these moves and, and doing these things that are very, very tremendous that you know other teams don't do. When you're in the G League, it's like, yeah, we own the rights to that franchise as this NBA team, but we're not going to take any of those guys. Where they're constantly looking and they're sending their players to the games. I mean, they're, DeMar DeRozan, Kyle Lowry going to these G League games to support the team. Right, they're doing it right. So I have to ask you, though, Eric Eric Bledsoe, Terry Rozier, seemingly don't like each other. <laughs> yeah, I saw, Terry, I saw that. Terry Rozier, who I had the opportunity of interviewing when he played for Louisville, and was very fun, a very nice guy, he referred to Eric Bledsoe as Drew Bledsoe, <laughs> which made my morning. So I would like yep. to expand yep. upon the shade that has been thrown and your thoughts on it. I like it. I like it a lot. Um, I like competition. I like personal competition like that. Um, anything to give a player an upper, like upper hand and edge that's kind of trying to make a name for himself. Terry's somewhat new to the league a little bit, and uh, he's, he's doing what he can, and I like that a lot. Um, he's battling. Those two are battling, which is great to see. To spin it back around in closing to the Syracuse Stallions, yep. the logo on point. The, the name, very exciting. There's an opportunity for this to be something really fun. And, and even, you know, I study colors. 
and even the color of blue is very calming and and just kind of like in it's engulfing it brings you in so when you look at kind of everything that you are and, and everything that you're branding yourself as what are you most excited about besides winning games and, and being on the court what excites you about this journey because you obviously are taking this because you love this opportunity and you want this thing to to work and take off so why you and why this um i'm excited because we're providing a, a quality product um I've, I've actually watched a bit of the aba and, and at times it's basically let's just put guys five on five on the floor and run up and down the floor and then end the game um i want to provide an extremely quality product we've sunken money into everything our logo is quality because we have high standards. Um, we're not going to do anything with like 50% of us. We're going 100%. Um, and I think us as a staff, um, we're determined to keep this here. And we're going to play. Um, November, there's going to be games. We're going to play right away. And um, we're here to stay. That's what I like to say and tell people because um, we've got a good staff and we've got people involved. And when you look at this team and and what the Syracuse Stallions are and what they can become kind of going off of what you were saying, you know, with not skimping on quality, what are the things that there, there was, there was no wiggle room for, for you with making this franchise and creating it. What are the things that, that were paramount that you said, listen, if it's going to cost this much, it's going to cost this much. What are, what are the non-negotiables with creating this team? Um, For me, venue. Um, I wanted to have a venue in before we did anything. Um, before we put this out, I wanted to have a venue locked in and, and ready to go before I started talking to the media um, because I, I want to be able to provide the answer. Everyone's going to ask, where are you going to play? Where are these games going to happen? Um, and how much are they going to be? I wanted to have that venue locked in and ready to go. Um, I also, like for me, I needed to pay, pay the players. Um, I think that to get the best talent from this area, we're going to have to pay the players. Um, not all the teams in our league pay their guys. It's kind of just a collective group of guys that play basketball. Yeah. So you wanted this to be real. You wanted it to be tangible and what you think the ABA should be. Yeah, this is a professional team. This is no doubt professional basketball. This is the best players from our area, the best 10 to 12 guys on a court under one roof playing against the best 10 from somewhere else. That coming from Mike Sugamosto of the Syracuse Stallions, president of the team. And the team will get raring up to go later on this year. And you can be sure that we will have more with the Syracuse Stallions coming up. Mike, I appreciate the time and I appreciate you, you know, what you're doing here in the community. Like I said, I didn't get to experience pro basketball growing up as a kid in Syracuse. I thought I would a few years back and that didn't happen. And so now I have the opportunity to finally have this around and I look forward to what that could mean with uh, with you and I as we move forward. Yes, we're excited as well. All right, man. I look I look forward to talking with you soon. All righty. Thanks for having me. All right, take care. All right, bye. Bye. That coming from Mike Sugamosto of the Syracuse Stallions, president of the team and ABA basketball, professional basketball coming back here to the Syracuse, New York, and Central and Upstate New York community. It is a beautiful, beautiful thing. And if you didn't know, you know now that Binghamton not only has a team, but Binghamton's been damn good. Made it to the Elite Eight of the nation in the ABA. The Elite Eight of the nation in the ABA. I didn't stutter. That's what happened. 
So an amazing, amazing thing. The Binghamton making it happen, getting things done. Shout out to them and a big congratulations to Binghamton for what they've been able to do and to Jimmy Evans and what he's built there with the Binghamton team and and much respect for that. And looking forward to that rivalry of Syracuse and Binghamton. Who's not looking forward to that? I definitely am going to be all about that because my wife has family in Binghamton and obviously I grew up here. So there's a lot of fun and excitement and, you know, some excuse to go down to Binghamton and have some family maybe come up here to Syracuse and see what's going on with these teams. So definitely looking forward to it and want to thank Mike Sugamosto as well as Josh Winans and Jimmy Evans for bringing Syracuse a professional basketball team. And for everybody, they might want to downplay the ABA once again. There was the NBA and the ABA, and the NBA liked what the ABA was doing so much with some of their programs that they brought in the ABA and then became the NBA but bigger and after that after the NBA had grown and blossomed and taken the best of the best from the ABA the ABA said to itself why don't we exist again why not try again if we had the talent that caught the NBA's eye why can't we go out there and do this again and do this for us and build a great product just like we did before. We've already proven we can be successful. We've already proven we could catch the eye of the NBA. So why don't we do it again and give an avenue for the NBA's eyes to be caught once again on these players and all that we're about. So I'm very happy to have the ABA coming to Syracuse, and I'm very happy to have the Syracuse Stallions doing what they're doing right now in the community, ramping up, getting excited, and involving me in the process of their growth, their expansion, and their message. Thank you to Jimmy, Josh, and Mike for allowing me to be a part of the journey and hopeful of the things to come. We'll take a step aside for a fast break. Speaking of things to come, the NFL Draft is only about a week away, and Eric Kroom and I always have great discussion when it comes to the NFL. He's a former NFL defensive lineman and Syracuse defensive lineman who will join me for a live conversation coming up in just a moment about... All that is to come in the NFL Draft, the big storylines, the things that are going on in the background, we will have a phenomenal conversation coming up next because the passion for the NFL coming from both sides of the microphone is going to be on point. Eric is always, always, always creating different conversations and things and making my mind work, and that's those are the people I like to talk to, Papa Joe, Eric Kroom, people that, that are that are pushing me to think and expand. Bob Casulo, I appreciate having him on the show. When we're talking about football and we're looking deeper into things, always great to have these guys on. Cam Lynch that just came on here recently. Mike Sofka of Hall of Fame FantasyFootball.com. So we will take a step aside and we will come back with Eric Kroom to have a discussion on the NFL draft coming up in just a moment. This is a wake-up call fast break. This is Jimmer Sikowski, owner-operator of Chick-fil-A Cicero, 7916 Brewerton Road in Cicero, right in front of the Home Depot. I had a deep feeling that God wanted me to do something bigger with my life and to help people, help others. I kept putting Chick-fil-A in my life, and I realized as I was going through the franchise selection process that uh, positively impacting the lives of others was really core to what we do here at Chick-fil-A. First of all, it starts with the food. The food is brought in fresh daily, you know, we bring in local produce, we prepare to order in the kitchen, we hand bread our chicken, we hand spin our milkshakes, it's it's great food, it doesn't taste like fast food. I, I think the second thing is, is 
the way people feel when they come in a Chick-fil-A restaurant. It's different. We, we try to treat people with intentional kindness here, which is very different and deeper than good customer service. And so you know, I think it feels remarkable for most people to come in a Chick-fil-A restaurant. And then lastly, the impact that we try to have in the community is very different. It's a big part of the expectation of every operator of a Chick-fil-A restaurant is that they're actively engaged in their community, they're a leader in the community, and they're, they're making a difference. When they realize that what we're striving to do is to shine a little light in their life, that's a very, very different experience uh, than you will have in any other quick service restaurant. And it's that remarkable experience that I think people will emotionally connect with. Hi, this is Domenico Vitali, owner of Giovanni's Formalware, where you look great and feel even better with our renowned tailoring and alteration services on any suit or any tuxedo from anywhere. Call 315-455-8729. That's 315-455-8729. Stop in locally on Route 11 in North Syracuse next to the Ponderosa Plaza where you can choose your style, get fitted, and tailored, all at Giovanni's Formalware. I'm George Townsend of Honda City with some good advice from buying a new car. The true cost of owning a new car is determined by the appraised value when you trade it. No vehicle appraises higher than a Honda. Next, look for low APRs and deep discounts. You also want low maintenance costs and great fuel economy. That's why my advice to you is to buy a new Honda. Looking pre-owned, visit our Honda Certified Used Car Center. Honda City, 7140 Henry Clay Boulevard, Liverpool, or hondacity-cny.com. For all of us that have always wanted our favorite restaurant to come to us, it's now a reality in Central New York with It's a Utica Thing, with Utica Pizza Company bringing their wonderful recipes that they've handed down through generations to you, to your event, to your business, to your home. It's a Utica Thing, proudly bringing Utica Pizza Company on wheels to your location. Call 315-738-8946. That's 315-738-8946 to bring Utica Pizza Company to your doorstep with It's a Utica Thing. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on wakeupcalldt.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on mixlr.com backslash wakeupcalldt. Always an honor and a privilege to have this gentleman on the show, and that is none other than Eric Kroom, Syracuse and NFL alum, and somebody who you know I got to meet, interview, and be around when he was here at Syracuse. Continue that conversation once he moved forward to the NFL, and continue it now as we have created uh, a space for ourselves inside a wake-up call with Dan Satora to have this conversation with Eric Kroom, and he's been on the show a bunch leading into this, and I'm very happy to have him on here right now and have him be a part of the broadcast. Eric, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, and and Eric, I want to start with you know with our conversation today centering on the NFL draft. You had said something off the air that I thought was a great place to start, and that is the fact that you said that we are eight days away from the NFL draft, and we still don't know who the number one pick is. Just what you could say about that type of scenario this time around? Uh, it's very interesting, especially being the fan of the game. It's, we kind of got to expect the unexpected. 
Like, it's four quarterbacks in the Knicks for the number one draft pick, as well as Saquon Barkley. Or maybe they want to go grab the chip to, to solidify the pass rush with Miles Garrett. There's so many ways they can go. It's just very different because it can tell me a few things that they don't know which quarterback is the best quarterback. They're undecided. They don't know if they want to build around uh, Taylor for a year and probably possibly with the next year. Or they might want to go on the defensive side of the ball. So it's a lot of options they can do with their first pick. And they have the fourth pick. So I feel like this is going to start the dominant effect, especially after they pick a New York pick. Yeah, and that was something that, that you and I had spoken about a little bit too, is that I believe that whatever the Giants do is going to have potentially a drastic effect on this draft, depending on what happens with them. If Saquon Barkley is taken first overall by Cleveland, which I think is going to happen, then it goes to the Giants, who I believe are going to draft Sam Darnold, but I believe they should draft Bradley Chubb or somebody else and not a quarterback. But ultimately, what they choose at that position is going to have an immediate effect on this draft. Now, maybe not the Jets, because the Jets might still have their guy there, but it's going to be an interesting road with the Giants and what they do at number two and what Cleveland does at number one. What do you think is going to happen? I, I'm sticking by... Saquon, I thought Saquon was going to go four, and as time went on, and with the draft being fluid, I said, you know what, I think he's going to go one. I don't think he's going to last to four for Cleveland. So my, I flipped him to one, and then put Sam Sam Darnold, I've thought for months, is going to go to the Giants. I don't, I don't think that there's, you know, I, I could be, I don't know, I'm not in the inner workings of the Giants organization, obviously, but Davis Webb just doesn't seem to be the guy that they're going to put the eggs in the basket of, so... In my opinion, where we stand right now, I think it's Saquon 1, Sam Darnold 2. What do you think? Uh, me personally, I think they should go Saquon 1 because this is telling me now what, that we still know the first pick is that they're not truly sold on the quarterback. And you gave up a draft pick to get Tyrod Taylor, even if he's going to be your transition guy. You probably still got to get the guy out for it that you want if you're not sold. Because if you're sold, we'll see when we have a discussion about the first pick of who, which quarterback you want. So I believe they should take Saquon with the first pick and then let the dominoes fall because it's not sure that New York is going to pick a quarterback because they made the playoffs two years ago. They still might try to squeeze a couple years out of Eli while they can. So I think they should take Saquon and let it fall where it may. Even they can move back and still get a quality quarterback. They move back with the fourth pick and get more picks to fill out their roster even more. So it's a lot of things they can do. Me personally, I think they should go with Barkley at number one. And at number two, do you think that the Giants, if that happens and Saquon's off the board, do you see them taking a quarterback or no? Uh, it's a possibility. They might take Chubb because they just uh, let go of JPP. They might want to fill that gap. But I heard they might be going to a 3-4 scheme, so I don't know how he fits as the outside linebacker with him being his hand in the dirt at NC State. But I think it's a great possibility because with the likelihood they're going to be at the number two pick in the recent uh in the near future because of the success they've had over these last couple of years, even just being a middle-of-the-road team, even if they don't make the playoffs, they're always like in the 10 to 15 range. I don't know when the next time you plan on having the number two pick. If you have the number two pick, that means your team isn't doing good. So they might want to draft the guy of the future now. Like you said, I don't think they're so on Davis Webb at all because even when they want to bench Eli, they put Geno in. So I don't think they're sold on him. So I think they should probably should draft a quarterback, but I think if Saquon, they should take Saquon or Bradley Chubb if they're not going to take quarterback. Yeah, and and that's the thing, and and that's that's the conversation that's that's been on my mind and that I brought up is that I think that Saquon goes first to Cleveland, 
and then Bradley Chubb should go to the Giants. They should draft a defensive lineman, a defensive end, and one of the best players in the draft and somebody who I've had the pleasure of interviewing and being around when he played for the NC State Wolfpack. So, you know, personally, I would love to see Bradley Chubb go high. Professionally, as a broadcaster and as and as a writer and the impartial side that I take with my job, Bradley makes more sense in taking another quarterback. Why take Davis Webb and then take, use your number two pick and you still have Eli Manning? Doesn't make any sense. The Giants need the most help on the offensive and defensive line. So, you know, if you're not going to take Quentin Nelson for your offensive side of the ball, then take Bradley Chubb for your defensive side. It's just my gut is telling me they're going to draft Sam Darnold. So I don't think it's the right move. I think Chubb is the right move or Nelson is the right move. But this is the Giants. And I could see, and they don't have Tom Coughlin in there to help them make decisions. I, I just, I see them taking Sam Darnold. And obviously that is going to leave things very strange in New York for a while. Yeah, I think the Giants, the only thing that's kind of iffy about this draft pick is they really have an established identity as a team. You know, they are you going to be a passing team where you need to get your line together. They struggle with line play. Or you want to try to get back to a running team and you draft Saquon? Like I think they have to sure up their identity of what move they want to make. Then if we're going to be a passer team, we're going to be. A, you have to have an O line to pass the ball. Got receivers. You drafted a tight end last year. So what is your identity going to be? Are you going to go back to when you were winning championships, where your pass rush was the leading force of the team, where you had straight hands, Justin, Justin Tucker, those guys? So what is your identity going to be? One thing we know about the NFL is if you miss on the quarterback, you set your franchise back years. That's the one thing about it. That's a position you can't miss on the draft because you set yourself back three or four years where you have to draft another quarterback in years. We've seen it with Cleveland multiple times. Yeah, you know, and, and speaking here with Eric Room, Syracuse and NFL alum here with me on Wake Up Call with Dan Satora speaking on the NFL draft. You know, to, to look at this mock draft and – and some of the things that, that people have out there. You know, Cleveland taking a quarterback number one, I don't I don't see that. Because Cleveland has a number one and a number four, I don't see Cleveland wasting the number one. I agree with you and and have, you know, echoed those sentiments of you saying draft Saquon Barkley and then watch the chips fall. Because even if the Giants and the Jets draft a quarterback, they're going to leave another one there. If Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold come off the list, then there's Josh Rosen and Josh Allen. If Allen and Rosen go off, then there's Mayfield and Darnold. Or any which way of that, there's going to be two guys available to Cleveland. So they could still get Josh Allen. They could get Josh Rosen, Sam Darnold. I mean, it depends on where things go. I don't see them drafting Baker Mayfield. I think they're going for one of the Joshes. But, you know, I like that. I like that draft Saquon Barkley, let the chips fall where they may, because wherever the chips fall, there's not enough chips in between their first and fourth pick that are going to take away a quarterback. And I think the only way for Cleveland to get a quarterback and Saquon is to draft Saquon first, take him off the board immediately, and then just see what happens and then draft the quarterback from there. And I think that, you know, there, I, there's a good chance that their guy could still be available. Yeah, I think, like you said, I think if you draft Saquon, you kind of force everybody's hand. Because I don't think it's just, in this draft, it's just not that elite quarterback, that number one guy that you know is a head above everybody else. So you kind of force everybody's hand. Do you like Baker Mayfield? Do you like Josh Rosen? Do you like Sam Darnold? Or do you like Josh Allen? So you kind of force hands. Okay, if you force, 
New York might have wanted Saquon Barkley, so you force them, do they want to draft the quarterback or do they want Bradley Chubb? Even, so if they draft the quarterback, you should have to possibly even get Bradley Chubb at four as well or a quarterback. So you still have a lot of things to play. And you still have the 28th pick in the draft. Me personally, if I was Cleveland, I would draft Saquon Barkley, Mika Fitzpatrick, and probably get Lamar Jackson at 28 because you still got Tyrod Taylor to let him develop for a couple of years. Or if you can get Bradley Chubb at four with Saquon Barkley. Just me personally, instead of just diving all in on the quarterback, because we see in this league, if you have good pieces around just a okay quarterback, you still can be a playoff contention team. Yeah, you know, and and that's the thing is when you look at some of this, and I agree with you. I, I if I'm the GM of of the Cleveland Browns, I'm taking Saquon no matter what at number one. If I'm the GM, that's what I'm doing. Now I'm looking at it going, all right, Tyrod Taylor isn't bad, but. I don't anticipate that he's going to win me a Super Bowl. So I I need to look at a guy who's going to be a potential franchise opportunity that I can get. And so I'm looking at quarterback, but at the same time, Bradley Chubb, I mean, I take I take from the words of George O'Leary, who's a former Syracuse assistant, who I met when he was coaching Central Florida, who said to me face-to-face, man-to-man, he said, listen, if you're not doing it in the trenches, you're not winning a championship championships are won on the offensive and defensive line championships are won in the trenches protecting the quarterback and getting to the quarterback that's how you change it so the irony of it's more important to protect the quarterback and get to the quarterback than it is to have the quarterback so it's just the hilarity of it all is that you need the lines in a direct effect on what they do with the quarterback so they go ahead of that. If you have a good quarterback, but you don't have a good line, he's not protected. If you have a phenomenal line going up against a great quarterback, they're going to make it hell for him in that day. So the offensive and defensive line, one. Quarterback, two, is how things should go. But even respect-wise, as you know, if you do your good, if you do a good job, especially as an offensive lineman, nobody says boo about it. You know, Quentin Nelson isn't, isn't what you know, people want to call the attractive pick. But Quentin Nelson's also the guy that's going to protect. And people balked at the fact that the Cowboys, a few years back, had spent an early draft pick on an offensive lineman. And that early draft pick on an offensive lineman ended up paying off dividends for the Cowboys when they took that opportunity to say, you know what, we're going to go out and get that guy from Notre Dame, Zach Martin. And by going out and getting him, they protected themselves, aided themselves, and put themselves in a phenomenal position on the offensive line. So, you know, for me, it's got to be about the best player available and the best thing you can do. Cleveland doesn't have anybody on their offensive line with Joe Thomas gone now that I can really look to and lean on. On their defensive line, I would I would love to see people name their defensive lineman and tell me who's on the depth chart. So, if it was up to me, I would say Bradley Chubb and Saquon Barkley are the safest place to go. But with Tyrod Taylor and nobody else, I think that they're going to go Saquon in a quarterback at number four. Yeah, like, I totally agree with you on the trenches. Like, you ask any coach, that's what the game is up front. That's why I said he was going to add a Bradley Chubb if he's available at four. You can never have enough pass rushers, especially when you got Ben Roethlisberger in the division. Even Joe Flacco, he might not be the greatest person in people's opinion, but he's won the Super Bowl. And Andy Dalton is more than formidable. So I think it's very possible that they draft another pass rusher. Now you got your two pass rushers for the next 10 years, and you draft that Ogba from Oklahoma State a couple years ago as well, so you got three young pass rushers and the mix coming off the edge, putting that pressure on these teams that's in your division. And 
like you said, this is a division where weather is a factor. It's a lot of cold weather, and we know those games. One of the trenches, you're going to run the ball and play good defense. That's why I said you go defense and probably Saquon Barkley. And the thing that I said, like Quinn Nelson, like I said, it might not be the flashiest pick, but he's going to. He's probably going to transition well. Like, Lyman transitioned very well in the NFL, especially guards. And we've seen with Zach Martin that's paid off to the Cowboys. Instead of them drafting Johnny Manziel, they drafted Zach Martin. He was all pro his first year. So you solidify outside your line, especially when your Hall of Fame left tackle just retired. So I see you can never go wrong with drafting Lyman. I'm just, I'm not sure that they're sold on the quarterback because we wouldn't even be having this discussion about anyone else at number one if they really hit No, and, and ultimately, I, I think, you know, feet to the fire today, if, if people asked, I would say Saquon Barkley won for Cleveland, number four, Josh Allen. But at the same time, if they draft Bradley Chubb, it's a smart decision to make. So I'm not going to go against, if we're talking about intelligence, I'm saying get Barkley and get Chubb and let's, and let's move forward. But, you know, if it comes down to they want a guy at the quarterback position, I can understand. I really honestly can understand them you know, taking a quarterback there and, and doing what they need to do. And speaking of quarterbacks, I have seen a mock draft this morning that states that the Buffalo Bills would draft Lamar Jackson. I don't agree with this because they just got rid of Tyrod Taylor, who is a running quarterback. So I can't see Buffalo spending any more money and time in another running quarterback. And case in point, A.J. McCarron, they just brought in on a two-year contract. So what do you think about this? I can't see Lamar Jackson going to the Buffalo Bills at all. I think it's too close to what they just let go. Uh, I don't really think that's a good fit for him. I think he needs like an innovative offensive mind to really channel his skill set. You need somebody like, I think, not saying, I know the Rams already got their quarterback, but a guy like Sean McVay, who was innovative, how he changed the whole trajectory of Jared Goff's career from his first year, people calling him a bust. Now his trajectory is sky high there's no ceiling to his potential now I think like a lot of the people say you need someone who's going to channel that talent and let it grow and turn the offense around a guy like that because you can't just be put him in the offense where it's stagnant like they don't have that many playmakers in Buffalo not to discard anybody's talent or players or anything but I don't think that's just a good fit for him like you said he kind of does some of the things Taylor do even though he might be slightly more dynamic or everything but why would you go draft a quarterback that you just let go in the same mode? So it really doesn't make sense. I agree with you on that. I'm just like to see him like an uh, open offense where he can really showcase his talent. Yeah, you know, and speaking here with Eric Kroom of the of Syracuse and NFL history and being there as a defensive lineman. You know, Eric, to to look at that, like you said, you want Lamar Jackson to be part of an innovative offense. I think Lamar Jackson is one of the quarterbacks that can go in this draft that doesn't need to start. In, in his first year, I think if you're going out and drafting Josh Rosen, Josh Allen, Sam Darnold, Darnold arguably Baker Mayfield, that there's going to be a team that's saying, we need you to go out there, we need you to play right away. But in the case of Lamar Jackson, I don't think that that necessarily has to be the case. I think that he could go to a team and not have to play right away and and take some time and, and learn and do what he needs to do. You know, there's, there's certain teams that make sense for him to go to. You know, I, I think that the Washington Redskins have no – I mean, with Alex Smith, to not pay Kirk Cousins and to pay his older brother, Alex Smith, more money, you know what I mean? And, and, and what has Alex done? It makes absolutely no sense. So I look at Lamar Jackson there. 
I look at Lamar Jackson with Chicago because I don't know if they're 100% sold on Mitch Trubisky. I look at Lamar Jackson going to a team like, you know, I, I'm looking I'm looking through here and looking at some of the different teams. I mean, Arizona needs a lot of help. They need to be innovative and different. They just brought in a new head coach. They don't have, you know, they have a quarterback, Sam Bradford, that gets hurt all the time. Lamar Jackson could go to Seattle. Seattle could make sense. So what were you going to say? That's why I, said. I think Arizona would be a good fit. I'm sorry to cut you off, but Arizona would be, in my opinion, is a good fit. Like you said, you need some type of change with a new head coach and you can bring in. He could be your guy that you can mold up, and I don't really trust Sam Bradford's helps. No, and and that's the thing with with Sam Bradford is is that he's never really been healthy his entire time in the NFL. I think Seattle's another fit because Russell Wilson isn't going to be around forever, and they never really have a backup quarterback that's going to help. They have Stephen Morris now, who spent some time in Jacksonville, but you know, outside of that, they really don't have anybody backing up Russell Wilson and Lamar Jackson, Russell Wilson's games are, you know, they can be somewhat similar. So I I think that, you know, that could be exciting. I think Lamar Jackson is a little bit more elusive, but you know, that could be a place for him to go to where he's going to learn from a guy who plays a similar game to him instead of going on a team uh, and being a quarterback. That's totally going to change the scheme. If he ever becomes the, the, the head quarterback on the team. Uh, I really like him because he has something that you can game plan for. He improvises in mobile. I don't care how many spies you put on that. You you can't really game for a guy that's mobile. Game plan for a guy that's mobile because he, he can make anything happen at any time. And he has the potential to hit home run as a runner. And he improves as a thrower even though he has to keep working, like you said. I just think he can just get behind like a good veteran for a year or two and have somebody believe in him. And to go from there, you know, speaking on Lamar Jackson, there's keeping it offensively. There's something that shook up things since the last time that you and I spoke, and that was the fact that the Dallas Cowboys decided not to trade, not to find anything for him, not to pay him a little bit less, restructure his contract, but to bring in Des Bryant on a Friday into the office and say, Des, pack your stuff up. We love you. We hope you have a great day. You are immediately released. Not, a, not released in June, not a trade, no draft picks, no cash consideration, nothing. No restructuring of anything. Just we are going to part ways with our number one wide receiver of the last eight seasons today. What did you think about that move by the Cowboys? Uh, it's kind of the business of the NFL. For me, spending some time in the NFL and learning, it's kind of the business. But I personally don't think it was that good of a move because what is your backup plan? You, you cut your number one guy, what is your plan? You draft a young guy, probably, and what's it, what's it your pick is, you really, it's not a rich receiver and heavy draft, in my opinion. It's, I feel like it's yeah, really than everybody else, and probably the guy from Maryland, but it's not a receiver-rich draft, so what is your plan going forward? You didn't sign, you sign Alan Hearns. Uh, he's been a good number two, but I don't think he's just a solidified number one receiver. I don't think they went in with a plan, and they... And they went in it so late in free agency that they really missed out on all the guys they really could compete for. I heard they really wanted Sandy Watkins and they didn't get him, which forced this, but they waited so late. Now, what is your plan? That's the only thing I'm kind of iffy about. If you felt like it's reduction slipped and everything, but you didn't have a plan after this release, that's the only thing. But I think you can find a home. I think you just have to find the right fit for him. But I don't really like the move because I like I'm really believing – guy starting their career and trying to finish with the same team and building a rapport with that. He's a cowboy. That's how I vision him as playing as a cowboy football player, but 
you know, the business and business. And once your production slips, you know, it's a possibility. Well, we look at the fact that, you know, his production's been different with Dak Prescott, but we can also see the fact that, you know, Tony Romo and him had a good relationship. I've always argued the fact, and it's proven throughout statistical history, that every quarterback has their player. Every quarterback has has their guy or guys, and that's different when you go to your backup quarterback or you draft the quarterback or whatever it may be. Just because you're the number one guy to Tony Romo doesn't mean you're the number one guy to Dak Prescott. So what can you say about that factor of it all that, you know, every quarterback has their guy, and, you know, maybe this isn't all on, I don't think it's all on, Des Bryant, but some of this is on the fact that Dak Prescott's under center and it's not Tony Romo. Oh, I think it has a big uh, part in it because you build that chemistry, even at every position. Like, even when I was playing at Syracuse, I had great chemistry with, like, Bromley and some of the other ends. Like, you can you know things without even saying it. It's just that connection. Like, okay, we're going to do it. It could be a look. Like, those guys had such great chemistry. Tony Romo would throw it up and give him a chance. A lot of those plays, they could just 50-50 balls because they had that chemistry. Like, if I see you one-on-one, I'm going to give you a shot. And that makes a big difference, especially with Dak Prescott being a young quarterback. He's still figuring his game out all the way. He's going to reads and listening to what the coaches tell him. Okay, read the one's not there. Okay, let's go to the check down or read two or three after that, check it down. And with the emergence of the running game, Ezekiel Elliott, that's the format of the winners. Run the, run the ball time possession because their defense isn't an elite defense, so we want to take time possession. So, Diaz being the number one guy in the offense is not prevalent anymore. It's Zeke, and you probably get Diaz and Jason Witten, you know, so that chemistry plays a big part, especially with him, Diaz being the dominant personality on the young quarterback. They might have said that wasn't a good fit because, you know, he might put the pressure on him, him the ball, and things like what he's accustomed to with Tony Romo. They had two different type of playing styles as quarterbacks. That coming from Eric Kroom right here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. We're going to take a quick step aside for a fast break. We're going to come back with a discussion on if it's wrong or right for Dez to put revenge in where he ends up playing from here on in the NFL. This is a Wake Up Call Fast Break. Gear up with the real deal at Drysig Apparel, creating what people are going to see and learn about you before they even meet you. Gear up for what you need for your team, business, or event. To look professional, look good, and feel good, outfit yourself at DrysigApparel.com. That's D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G Apparel.com. The only place to gear up with the real deal. What's the universal language of a fan? Clapping your hands. With Fan Hands, the ultimate sports fan accessory, find your team color, slip them on, and start cheering on your favorite team with 11 different colors always in stock on FanHands.com, where you'll find the ultimate sports fan accessory. Real fans wear Fan Hands. Utica Pizza Company spells family, your family, my family. 
their family. The recipes that they have shared with each other throughout the years and have now been so gracious to share them with us. I can sit here and talk with you about all the great things that are on the menu. We'd be here forever. So let me say this. Utica Pizza Company is second to none. And now you can bring it home with you and you can dine in in the restaurant. UticaPizzaCompany.com will give you all the information that you need. And let me say, these Utica Greens, they're the best. Utica Pizza Company. Call them and place your order at 315-214-3060. That's 315-214-3060. Families break bread at Utica Pizza Company. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. Proud to have you here every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. And we are here live on the line with Eric Kroom, Syracuse and NFL alum, continuing our discussion on the NFL draft and the things affecting the NFL draft. One of those things being the Cowboys' decision to release their number one wide receiver of the last eight seasons of Des Bryant. And with that being said, I said before the break that we would jump into should revenge be a part of his decision making. I have my thoughts, but I'm going to hand it to Eric first on this. To play in division, this whole, I'm going to see Dallas twice, they better be ready for me twice, meaning he would have to play for Philadelphia, Washington, or the Giants. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, I don't think revenge should be a part of because I don't think none of those teams are particularly a good fit. You look at the Giants, you have Odell, you got Sterling Shepard, you got Amber Ingram, you signed Brandon Marshall last year. So if you go to the Giants, or where do you go to cut Brandon Marshall or you're not a slot receiver. We've never seen him in the slot, so I don't think that's a good fit. The Eagles have Alshon Jeffrey. Aguilar had a good breakout season last year, so I don't think they really want to mess up that chemistry. And Washington, Washington could be a possibility, but I don't think you just would think Alex Smith as an elite quarterback. Being a receiver, I would want to play with an elite quarterback, especially as you get up in age, having guys put throw you open almost at the sense, especially when you're not a burner at this point in your career. So I don't think no other division is really a good fit for him. Yeah, you know, and, and I tend to agree with you on that. You know, I don't think that revenge should be a part of his mission as he moves forward from here. Reason being, and going off of what you said, you know, the fact that if he is to, you know, speaking on Des Bryant, if he was to get back at the Cowboys and face them twice a year, if he goes to the Giants, they already have, if, if Des is considered to be a head case or any type of an issue or that his character gets brought up, they already have that with Odell Beckham Jr., probably worse. And then on top of that, we have the fact that they have Sterling Shepard and Brandon Marshall. They already have depth at wide receiver. The Washington Redskins have Alex Smith. So if he if he plans on playing football and not going to the playoffs, then I guess you go to Washington. And for Philadelphia, they already have their model. They have what works. And if you look at the system that they have, I mean, if you're a team that's coming off of the Super Bowl or almost winning the Super Bowl, getting deep in the playoffs, you keep as much the same as you possibly can, and you build in the little holes and the little cracks that you have. So Philadelphia keeping things the way that they are to the best of their ability and moving forward from there. I mean, they lost Trey Burton, which is a big loss as a blocker, and the guy that threw the touchdown to Nick Foles, and he's somebody that's underestimated coming out of Florida, and people are going to miss him more than maybe they think they will. 
But to fill that spot with Des Bryant, it doesn't make any sense to do something like that. You don't want to shake it up in that type of respect. Philadelphia bringing in a guy who doesn't cost that much money that's maybe a third-string guy here, there, or whatever, and that they could bring in and groom or get a wide receiver in the fifth round of the draft, that makes more sense for a team that just won a Super Bowl, not to have somebody come in like Des Bryant. So in my opinion, none of the NFC East is going to make sense for him. And I had come out with a story that I released last week, or last week yesterday, pardon me, and that story that I had released yesterday had made a statement of the 10 teams that I think that Des Bryant makes the most sense on. Now, Eric has not heard this, so, you know, I'm, I'm giving this to you, you know, live on air, the, the raw part of it, and letting you know what's going on. And the teams that I thought would make sense are the Detroit Lions, the Los Angeles Rams, the Arizona Cardinals, the New York Jets, the Baltimore Ravens, the Cleveland Browns, the Houston Texans, the Oakland Raiders, the San Francisco 49ers, and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Of those teams, teams with good quarterback situation, the Detroit Lions, arguably you look at the Houston Texans, the Oakland Raiders, the San Francisco 49ers, the Jacksonville Jaguars. We look at situations like that. Of those situations, we break it down even farther to say, I believe San Francisco is prime to get to the playoffs this year and be a very dangerous team. Jacksonville was one step away from the Super Bowl. So if I'm Des Bryant, I'm either staying in the NFC and going to the West Coast to play for San Fran, or I'm going to the AFC and I'm going to the East Coast to play for Jacksonville in Florida. What are your thoughts of the teams that I mentioned and of the teams that I think are the best fit? Because, like I said, you've never heard this from me, Eric, so I want to get your analysis of it all, and then I'll bounce back from there. Uh, I think the last two you mentioned are good fits if he still wants to be a number one receiver. He has that chance to be a number one receiver for both of those teams, especially for 49ers. They have Pierre Garçon, which is in that same bracket. I think he can be a number one there at Jacksonville, coming off the AFC uh, championship appearance if you want to win. And you have the possibility of number one receiver. Number one receiver. Like the Lions uh, option as well because you can move, go to slate, go to uh, take back to the slot with uh, Marvin Jones on the outside and him on the outside. And I think uh, Houston would be real dangerous with Hopkins, him, and put Will Fuller in the slot. That'd be a real dangerous combination. Yeah, you know, so there's there's a lot of things that there's a lot of things that make sense as far as where he can go, and you know, arguing the points of of each and <clears throat> why certain teams make more sense than others. Like I said, if he wants to. If he wants to go have the best opportunity for the playoffs and moving forward, to go to a team like Detroit, you have to get through Green Bay with a healthy Aaron Rodgers. We don't know what Chicago is going to be this year. And Minnesota was very close to making it over the hump. I don't think Case Keenum was the problem, but they brought in Kirk Cousins, who I think is a good move. The Los Angeles Rams, they're a team that's primed to, to go after a division that the Arizona Cardinals and the San Francisco 49ers are all a part of. In the NFC West, the, the doors are blown wide open on that thing. I don't think Seattle's as dangerous as they used to be, offensively or defensively, by any stretch of the imagination. So there's opportunity there. The Baltimore Ravens, I can see them doing some good things this year, having more depth and being a little bit more dangerous, but they still have to go through the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Browns are getting better. I don't know if the Browns are going to make the playoffs. I don't know if the Ravens are going to make the playoffs. The Jets, not going to do it. Houston has to go through Jacksonville. Oakland, it depends on what the John Gruden message is and if it's picked up and listened to. So San Fran and Jacksonville make the most sense for me 
in how San Fran finished their season with Jimmy Garoppolo and how the Jacksonville Jaguars multiplied their wins by four times as many from 2016-17 to 17-18, and Jacksonville let go of their number one receiver, Allen Robinson, and number two receiver, Allen Hearns. So there is space for Des Bryant to come in there and be that guy right away for the team, and they have a ton of depth at wide receiver, so they don't need him to do everything. They don't de- They don't need to demand much out of him. They can make him number one on the depth chart, but Jacksonville doesn't need him to be a good route runner uh, or the best on the team. They don't need him to be a speed guy either. They have Keelan Cole. They have Jadon Mickens. They have Marquise Lee. They have so much talent, D.D. Westbrook, that they don't need him to be everything, and they just need him to be something. I think Jacksonville is the best fit if he wants a chance to go to the Super Bowl and if he doesn't want to have a lot of pressure on him. Uh, yeah, and I also like Green Bay as well because what was Jordy and uh, Aaron Rodgers so good at the back shoulder fade, which is one of Dan's biggest things being the possession receiver. He's good at fighting for the ball real good. I would like to see him play with an elite quarterback like a Drew Brees in New Orleans with him and Michael Thomas paired up. I think he will be a very good number two receiver at this point in his career because he's going to get the second corner. He's not going to have to worry about being the focal point as the receiver, the number one receiver anymore. So he can just do do a real good thing, especially being in some of these divisions without a new quarterback, which will allow him to flourish. I just want to see him with a good quarterback that can throw him open in a sense. You know, those elite guys can put you in a position sometimes where you wouldn't even – know you were open like Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees those type of guys throw you open you know so I really want to see him with an elite quarterback at this stage of his career instead of thinking about revenge the best revenge is winning Stand division is not going to really hurt Dallas but if you go win somewhere make it to a Super Bowl or you have a big year that's going to be the best revenge instead of trying to stay in the division yeah, you know, and and that's exactly what you're saying. You know, go be successful. Don't make it a divisional thing. Don't make it about that because again, if he goes anywhere else in the division, it's not going to make any sense. If he goes to Philadelphia, he'll be lost in translation. If he goes to Washington, he'll be just simply lost. And if he goes to the Giants, it doesn't make any sense for him to go there because if Odell Beckham's a problem and Dez is seen as a problem, they wouldn't put the two of them together in one place. So, it, it just it, it doesn't make sense for him to stay inside of the NFC East. And you brought up Green Bay and and New Orleans, who have two great quarterbacks. And as we've talked about, there's only five or six elite quarterbacks of 32 in the NFL that are out there. And Drew Brees and Aaron Rodgers are two of those guys. The only reason why I don't see it happening is that Green Bay notoriously and New Orleans notoriously do not spend big money on bringing in a receiver from another team. And that's the only reason why they were off my list, because I can't see them paying for Des Bryant, who, you know, I know he might take pay, take a pay cut, but I just, I don't see them reaching out and going for him and paying for that, because historically they're kind of old school, especially Green Bay. And that's the only thing that, that's the thing that I think would be holding them back, and that's what kept them off my list. Yeah, I can agree with that, those old school things, but you have to update with the times now. Especially Green Day, you haven't been in the Super Bowl in, what, 10 years almost. So, you know, you have arguably the best quarterback in the league, which I think he is in my opinion, but you don't want to waste those years not, you know, getting talent in the free agency. You have to be a, an active player in free agency. Now, you keep waiting, waiting to talent to develop. Sometimes it never pans out the way you want to. You're going to waste one of the great passes we ever seen prime out not want to spend money i think sometimes you have to plunge like i love what the rams are doing you go all in while you can 
Yeah. You go all in while you can. Something that, you know, with the Rams are obviously doing and they are spending money and they're doing what they can to push forward because they feel like that they have something there that can move them in the right direction. They feel like they want to, I mean, they literally put their money on themselves and what they've built and what they've done in the last few, I mean, in the last few games of the season and the season as a whole, Sean McVay, everything that they saw that they were building, they, they essentially bought advertising and now they're buying call to action on their advertising. They're saying, let's have some brand marketing and now let's call to action. Let's go and get these guys, spend the extra money on top of this and do what we need to do from the advertising sense of it all. You know, for that analogy, they're already putting themselves out there. They've seen that they've had good feedback and a good response. So now they're putting more out there and more money and taking more chances. They're not waiting three or four years to do it like some other teams would. So I find a lot of respect and appreciation for what the Rams are doing. Uh, the Niners are trying to do some things too, but they had, didn't have as much success. And then, of course, you know the Jaguars are trying to keep the pieces that they have and, and branch out from there. Final note, Jacksonville, 29th pick overall. Uh, Eric, you and I have a lot of things to talk about all the way leading up to the draft, so I definitely want to have you and looking forward to having you back on the show. But I have to ask you one thing before we roll out of here, and that is... Jacksonville at 29, what position do they take? Uh, if they don't sign Dez Bryant, they have to get a receiver because their defense is a strong point. That's, I don't see no holes in the defense. Then they signed Andrew Norwell to shoot up the offensive line. You drafted your running back last year, so what position do you go unless you want to try to get a young tight end? I don't see any other position you go besides being able to score points. You have a defense that can shut people down. It's arguably the best defense. Them in Minnesota with talent. Talent and just good fit. Their D line is stacked. They have, they can go almost seven to eight deep. You know, they have young linebackers. They have the best corner tandem in the league. So where else do you go besides the offensive side of the ball? Unless you want to sure up your offensive line, I think you go receiver or tight end. Somebody that's dynamic that can make plays. Yeah, I think they go tight end. I mean, some mock drafts have them going for a quarterback, and I can't justify them picking a quarterback at 29th overall. Some people want Lamar Jackson to fall down there, and I guess that would be you know a guy that's going to be versatile and provide some things, but that's not a need that they have right now. They need tight end. They need depth on the offensive line. Defensive line, good. They need a linebacker. There's certain things that they need. I can pinpoint that they should get a safety, get a linebacker, get offensive line, get a tight end. How I would rank them, linebacker one, tight end two, then I would say offensive line three, safety four, somewhere around there. I could argue maybe offensive line to come a little bit sooner, but linebacker is definitely number one because they lost their Mike linebacker in Paul Puzlesny. So I don't see the quarterback in the Mason Rudolph story. It doesn't make sense to me. I think it would be a wasted pick. With no offense to Mason, it's because of the team, not because of him. With that being said, Eric, I appreciate having you on the show as always. And like and, and like I had referred to a little bit earlier here, definitely got to have you back as we get closer to the draft. Oh, man, I appreciate it. You know, I'm always up to talk a little football. All right, man. Well, listen, be good. Take care of that little girl of yours, and I'll talk with you soon. Okay, you have a good day. All right, you too. Take care. That coming from Eric Kroon once again. We'll take a quick step aside, wrap up the show right after this. This is a wake-up call, Fast Break. Hi, this is Kira from Looking Glass Events, where we're always giving you a reason to celebrate. Whether you have a small business, large business, personal event, or wedding, we are available to plan and coordinate your dream event to life. Every detail, every step, Looking Glass Events is working with you all the way. Call us at 315 315- 
315-702-4653. That's 315-702-4653. Or contact us through our website, lgweddingsandevents.com. Looking Glass Events, giving you a reason to celebrate. The Pennant Trophy Center on 111 East Willow Street in Syracuse, New York, has been making memories for Central New York for over 60 years. It has the trophies for your teams, and when you walk in there, it's so much more than just that. When you walk into the Pennant Trophy Center, you are immersed in the reality that anything can be customized, anything can be engraved, whether it's for your anniversary, your wedding, your bar mitzvah, your birthday party, whatever you want to do with that memory, that watch from grandpa, or that bracelet from mom, or that wedding ring that's been passed down through your family. If you want to get something engraved with a memory to last a lifetime, the Pennant Trophy Center, 111 East Willow Street in Syracuse, New York, where memories are made and where memories last a lifetime. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is located on 3680 Milton Avenue in the Home Depot Plaza. It is your family-friendly sports bar and restaurant. Folks, some sports bars aren't family-friendly. Some family-friendly restaurants are not sports bars. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is proud to be both. It is that marriage that you've been looking for for years. The Wildcat Sports Pub is your home base for your sports bar and restaurant needs, games for the kids, indoor and outdoor activities, and enough things on the menu to come back every single week and get to try something new. They're open Sundays from noon to 8 p.m., Monday through Wednesday, 11 a.m. to 11 p.m., and Thursday through Saturday from 11 a.m. to midnight. For reservations and party information, call 315-487-2222 for the Wildcat family-friendly sports pub and restaurant. This is Lawrence Papaleo, licensed real estate salesperson for Gilbo Realty. Call our home office at 315-752-9513, or better yet, call or text me directly at 315-748-2524. Let me ask you a question, Lawrence. If I needed you to help me buy a house, find the right place, could you help me do that? Joe, I'll help you find your dream home. You don't ever say my name on the radio, never. If I needed to sell a house, could you help me go about that the right way? Yes, yes I can. How do they get a hold of you? Call me directly at 315-748-2524. But you also do the commercial property. So if I got a business, couple businesses, got to take one here, move it over there, do this, do that. Are you going to help me buy and sell my commercial property also? Yes, sir. I like that. I like that. What's my name again? I have no idea. Absolutely. But they need to know your name. So give it one more time. This is Lawrence Papaleo, licensed real estate salesperson for Gilbo Realty. My phone number is 315-748-2524. Why don't you tell him your name one more time and that number so we can jot it down. This is Lawrence Papaleo. Call me or text me directly at 315-748-2524. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on wakeupcalldt.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on mixlr.com backslash wakeupcalldt. Very proud to have you here on the broadcast. And we are ending out things a little bit earlier here than 11 a.m. this morning because of the fact that the American Athletic Conference, which you know I'm always on the teleconferences and talking with the coaches from around the country, about what's going on with their programs inside of the American and the ACC, and obviously that includes Syracuse with the ACC, that 
I got to jump on this call to get the information on what's been happening through the spring with the American Athletic Conference's 12 teams. And the great thing about this is we end the show a little bit earlier today to go and get information that we're going to be using for a show coming up next week. So this is all for you, and I definitely appreciate your support and and you listening in to these coaches. We're going to have plenty to say from each of these coaches as I look forward to the opportunity of speaking with them this morning like I've done for so many years, and, and big thanks to the American Athletic Conference. Coming up on tomorrow's show, Thursday, April 19th at 9 a.m. Eastern time to 11 a.m. Eastern time, or pardon me, we'll go a little bit earlier there too, so it's 9 to 10.30 tomorrow because of the ACC. At 9 a.m. Eastern time, I will be joined by Joe Theismann. Joe Theismann, Super Bowl champion Joe Theismann, will be joining me to speak on the NFL Draft at 9 a.m. Eastern Time right here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora and be followed by the Syracuse FC. For those of you excited about Syracuse FC's season number two, we'll have a special interview for you coming up right after that with Jake Colbrenner. And, of course, we will do Through the Looking Glass, proudly brought to you by Looking Glass Events. So tune in tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. Eastern Time mixlr.com backslash wakeupcalldt. In the meantime, God bless, be well, and enjoy your life. Facebook, at wakeupcalldt. Twitter, at calldt. Instagram, at wakeupcall underscore dt. And everything on wakeupcalldt.com. Be well.